Hello and welcome to the Vorthos cast. I'm Lorelai Weissel-Labrizzi. I'm Brian Dawes. And I am continuing to be Chris Delano. Uh, that is uh, very interesting, Chris. Uh, congratulations on your continued existence. Uh, hopefully uh, you won't see any monumental changes the way the multiverse has in magic. Haha, what a segue. Uh <laughs> <laughs> Uh, we we are we are here with an episode going uh, a little more in depth on kind of the the fallout and consequences and impact on the multiverse that March of the Machine had, and uh, people who aren't me can speculate about the future. Um, I know what's happening, so y'all will have to wait and see. <laughs> Uh, I don't think we have any news. Lord of the Rings sets out. Seems neat. I, I got to play some games against the Commander decks. I have not gotten mine yet, but I did play against uh, in a pod of four people with one person had the Sauron Mordor deck and another person had the Hobbits deck. Uh, and they were really fun. The Hobbit deck was really, really cool. At one point, they had like 15 food out. <laughs> it was it was a lot. That sounds like hobbits. Yeah. Yep. Second breakfast. Uh, second breakfast in the Levensies. So. Uh, they did. They did play Bilbo, and we we ended up all conceding before the Bilbo activation just to save time. <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> Ooh. I, wa- I was. Off. I wanted to let it go off. I was like, <laughs> we should. In- but like the the understanding was the game was over at that point, and I was like, and we were like, do we really need? to let them take all the time to put every creature in play and resolve all the triggers. Yes. Uh, absolutely. Personally, I would have wanted to do it, but I, 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 I understood. All right. Well, that's cool. Uh, yeah, I don't, I don't think we have any other news, so I guess we'll just get to the episode. Yeah. We should talk about magic, the gathering, like we didn't do in our last episode. Well, I mean, I could talk about Destiny again, but that's not the topic this week. I guess it <laughs> technically wasn't a topic last week. It just happened. We didn't have a topic last week. Uh, so, uh, Future of the Multiverse, big changes. There, there are two big, like, multiverse-spanning metaphysical changes that have impacted everything. Um, and the first is the leaving behind slash creation of omen paths that connect various planes together um, for folks who weren't around in Kaldheim. Uh, omen paths are the name given to these metaphysical passageways between two different worlds on Kaldheim. Uh, they have started appearing uh, through these kind of blue triangular portals all across the multiverse between just whole planes. Um, so we got a story with uh, Nyssa and Chandra discovering one and walking through it. Um, Omen paths. When Realmbreaker extended out from New Phyrexia, it poked holes throughout the multiverse, and this was shortly after uh, the Filigree Silex was detonated in the Blind Eternities uh, by Elspeth. Or I guess it was detonated by Jace, and Elspeth took it to the Blind Eternity. Don't worry about who did what. We're not pointing fingers of, of blame here. 
Um, but a lot of bad things happen to the structure of the multiverse. And one of the consequences is uh, we kind of Swiss cheesified it a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like, I think there were any number of ways to justify the omen paths in the story. Like Rome Breaker could have caused it. The the Silex could have caused it. It, Anything. It, 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 they happened and it makes a lot of sense, really. Yeah. I have no issues with that part of the storytelling. Um, so one of the things that's been stated about Omen Paths is that, like, hey, some of them might be random, some of them might be stable, some of them might be, like, consistent pathways between wor- two worlds, some might be, like, seasonal. Like, it really depends on what kind of stories are going to be, t- you know, uh, they how an Omen Path behaves will be determined by specific story needs, uh, and uh, how those will impact storytelling is something we will see in the future and not right now in the present. <laughs> um, that's all I'll say about that. Uh, the other big change is the desparking of most of the planeswalkers in the multiverse. Are, are you not gonna are you not gonna read what's in the agenda? No. when i'm finished feel free to uh (laughs) so uh we don't know exactly what caused this desparking there is a lot of metaphysical damage to the multiverse though um and this is part of it um we don't know a lot you know the status of a lot of planeswalkers right now it's going to kind of happen and will be updated as they appear in stories um, we know Chandra and Ajani have kept their sparks. Uh, we know Ashiok did too. That was confirmed at the Eldraine panel at Magicon Minneapolis. Uh, we know Nissa has lost hers. We know that Teferi, uh, has lost his and Koth has lost his. And, uh, Rowan and Will are desparked as well. Which we also learned at that same panel. Um, and I think that's all we know right now. And then all the ones in March of the Machine Aftermath. Yeah, so yeah, like, yeah. At like 10 of them or whatever it was. Yeah, Kyura and Sarkin and Narset and Calyx yeah. and Obnixilis and Samut and Brain. Was that everyone? Uh, Nahiri. Nahiri, yeah. Uh, technically, Tamio also lost her spark, but um, different reason. Look, look well, here. <laughs> Um, uh, and and I want to be clear that these planeswalkers lost their spark in the great pruning. I'm not calling it that. <laughs> I don't know why or how that name got picked up, but I've seen multiple people call it the great pruning, and I just uh, I love it. <laughs> I believe pruning was a word used in the one story. I think. Well, whatever, however it originated, it is probably simultaneously the best and worst name for this event absolutely not <laughs> i will just go with the worst name yeah i will say with the with this desparking, um a lot of people are struggling with the fact that like we don't have a list of all the planeswalkers who have and have not lost their sparks um, I understand the desire for that list. I mean, like, I also would like to know 
every single Planeswalker's spark status. I think it's very important, though, that we don't know. And I think that it makes it's better not only for us as like readers of the story and like, but also for like the the crafters of the story to not make that list public. Um, Because they've said like someone stated at one point that like there is an internal list of planeswalkers with their sparks and without their sparks. I would bet you I would put money on the idea that that list is not like written stone because we had like how many named planeswalkers before March of the Machine? Like it was like 60, 80 something like living carded planeswalkers is, I think, over 40 at this point or was over 40. Well, um, yeah, but even including the non carded ones, we were we, there was a lot. And I think that it would yeah. be really disadvantageous for them to like have a written stone list of planeswalkers with and without sparks, because a lot of them were like really minor and had only shown up in like a core set or a commander product or like, a you know, like, I'm sorry, Jay's on the podcast. He can't kill me like Duretti. Like we don't, we don't need to know if Duretti has his spark or not because he hasn't shown up in a story in a long time. Uh, Basri Ket is another really good one where it's like, here's a really interesting character. Uh, it would be bad for them to say that Basri Ket and Duretti don't have their sparks because there might come a setting in the next several years where they're like, oh, I really wish we could use Basri Ket or Duretti in this story. Can't imagine a story that would want both of them. Um, and it would be kind of silly to be like, we've already written ourselves out of being able to use these characters. So we're going to have to like make brand new ones. Uh, so yeah, I think just we don't need to know. And the Planeswalkers who we do know about so far are like, a lot of them were either really major characters, like, you know, Karn, Teferi, Nissa, Nahiri, or they were like really minor characters who very much clearly had a location where they fit and they should remain like Samut, Kiora, um, stuff like that. And so I think that those are good ones to know about. But anyways, that's my my rant about why it's OK. We don't know who has their sparks and who don't. So I just want to address one thing you said, Chris. Uh, the the story that would want Basri and Doretti in the same place is obviously the story of them falling in love. Obviously. It's pretty oh. clear. Oh, I support this ship. <laughs> <laughs> I am, I think I am on board good. this ship. I I'm on board so the ship when it implodes uh, thousands of miles beneath the surface of the, of the ocean. It's a rancid <laughs> ship, but, uh, you know shipper's gonna ship if any of you wholeheartedly believe in the ship more power to you you're allowed to have rancid chips i have my own um so i guess me those are the two big chains so like the texture of who matters and to magic story uh may or may not shift depend on the needs of the set uh obviously we know ashiok is showing up we know ashiok still has their spark what does that mean for eldraine as a story We'll see. Uh, and we'll see, you know, we have Ixalan later this year, and we have some sets next year. Theoretically, hypothetically, maybe. We'll see on announcement day if magic continues. Uh, <laughs> into 2024. And, uh, you know, that that is uh, kind of a, a wait and see of 
what stories are gonna look like after this in terms of like planeswalker characters so um i guess we'll settle in from yeah for some speculation time as we go through the changes i think that makes the most sense to me so i'll open yeah. things up to brian and chris for thoughts desires hopes and dreams fears night terrors even <laughs> about these two big main changes so i think we've kind of discussed this to a, a lesser extent I, I do um hope that wizards takes this opportunity and uses all this anticipation of building with not knowing who exactly has lost their spark and who still has a spark and like uses it to like have some really sweet like introductions to different stories and how they're coping with losing their spark um also like the open path i can see is going to lead to a lot of different storytelling about how people are traversing different planes to get to other destinations so that should be interesting so i mean as long as they do right by like like i i've come to accept the fact that Certain planeswalkers have lost their sparks. I, I still don't think that it was necessary. I think that they could have kept the planeswalkers with their sparks and still have the open path to allow the legendary creatures to exist and in, on different planes. But I get it. They want people to build commander decks around different planeswalkers. Why that matters without removing all of the sparks doesn't really make a whole lot of sense to me, but whatever. Um... As long as they use it creatively to tell interesting stories, that's all I really care about. Right? Um, so let, let's see what happens. Um, I, I'm interested to see how a lot of these planeswalkers deal without their sparks. Like we already know what Johnny's going through, it, and so is Nahiri. Um, so <laughs> they are I, they are coping in very different but very extreme ways. Yeah. Yeah. So like I, I want to see. They're, how they progress these characters and tell interesting stories with them without killing them off in mass. And yes, there were stakes. That's all I have to say. Yeah, I we talked a lot about the the like omen paths and the the great pruning um, when we were talking about March of the Machines story, or at least aftermath story, excuse me, um, to be more specific. So if you want to go back and listen to that episode and get some of our thoughts, uh, but like a, thinking aside from were these necessary changes. Were they justifiable? Were they like, did they have to happen? Um, if we put that behind us and all I'm thinking about is like, all right, what do these changes do? I've accepted them. This is the future of magic story. Um, there's no reason to debate it at this point. Then I think to myself, okay, I want to see really interesting, cool stories being told where these are allowing things to happen in the narrative that couldn't have happened before. Um, and so like one of the big things I need to see in a story for me to think this was at all justified is for interesting legendary named characters from various planes. And they don't even have to be like reprinted popular characters. I don't have to see Thalia, you know, I don't have to see the guild leaders from Ravnica, but just someone who is from one plane on a different plane and what that experience is like, like that would make me say, okay, I get why we have the omen paths. 
Um, and then the de-sparking thing, we have a good setup for interesting stories that could come from this pruning. You know, I want to see them happen. And like a lot of people are like, oh, I'm you know really hesitant. But I'm like, this could be good. Ajani seemed really interesting in Nahiri's story. And Nahiri definitely has something going on. Um, and it's also going to be interesting to see like what happens when a character like Ashiok has their spark and the quote unquote good people of a plane don't. So Ashiok can escape very easily and very quickly, but the heroes cannot follow. Um, and so that creates a really interesting story dynamic of what happens if the villain can kind of act with impunity. So anyways, yeah, I, I think that these are going to be interesting and I'm looking forward to them, but I am not going to really be able to speculate on what it's going to look like because like we don't have a lot of information yet. So like, I can only sit there and go, hey, here's cool things that could happen. Hope they do. Yeah, I definitely agree with the part about seeing the legendary creatures being on other planes. Like, And I want them to have good stories about why they're there and like like achievable goals, real dramatic stakes. Like that, that, that is, I need, I definitely need that kind of justification to see why they're, they're going down this route. No comment. <laughs> But there were there were more than big changes though. There were like other small ones. Well, or well okay, medium before, ones. before we get to the small changes, yeah, we do have a section called uh medium changes. Um so the first is that uh new Phyrexia is phased out of the timeline and now occupies the metaphysical time hole that Jalfir was in. Um the uh glistening oil's been deactivated. Which means, uh, for the first time in a while, we just, like, don't have active Phyrexian menace somewhere out in the multiverse. And, uh, that's a pretty big change. Uh, that, you know, we had them looming for almost 12 mm -hmm. years before we got, uh, call time. Uh, I guess it was about 10 years to call time. Anyway. Uh, and now they're not a looming threat. Good. Uh, they are contained. And we have zero insight to what life is like on New Phyrexia right now, so. I don't, I don't care. <laughs> I mean, like, I think it's fun to think about, like, oh, what's going on on a phased out New Phyrexia? But also, like, I am done with Phyrexia. I'm done. They're phased out. No thoughts about them anymore. Gone. Yeah. Um, if you want to know how I feel about New Phyrexia being gone, you can just pull up Friday and do the scene where uh, Ice Cube is saying, bye, Felicia. Because <laughs> <laughs> I'm just like, I'm over it. I've been over it, and I'm glad they're gone. I hope it's another two decades before we see even a hint of them. Wow. Strong words from Brian, <laughs> Phyrexia's biggest fan. Yeah, <laughs> I, I so I have at times been a fan of the villains in magic. I think that villains are cool. I like having bad guys in a story. It makes it fun. Um, I'm just so I'm done. And I'm like, they got their exit. Good. Bye, Phyrexia. We are we are moving on to a very weird world of magic where there is not a looming interplanar threat. It's been a while. 
Mm-hmm. Um, you know, in in the last eight years ish, I think about uh, we have we have kind of dealt with the Eldrazi, Nicol Bolas, and the Phyrexians, which were the three main villain threads left over uh, from uh, Brady's days running uh, Magic Story. And so that kind of leaves us with open territory of, of hey, who are the next villains of Magic going to be? Oh, uh, and that's an exciting space, I think. Um, uh, and we really get a chance to start fresh and do some new things. I love Phyrexia. I love Nicol Bolas. I love the Eldrazi. But getting to do, do new stuff that isn't reliant on, like, you know, you know, Phyrexia was building upon 25 years of story. Uh, Bolas was picking up threads from more than a decade ago. Uh, the Eldrazi were poorly defined in their original release and more defined once we finally got back to them uh and they kind of straddled an awkward reshift of magic story um but uh we we are in new territory villain wise and i think that's very very cool yep i'm sure maybe some of i'm not sure of anything but i think this might be like maybe losing a spark is a the cause of someone's villain arc. Like, we already see it a little bit with Nahiri, even though she was clearly on that path beforehand. Like, maybe it amplifies some people's, like, feelings about certain things. Um, maybe Ogmysilis, like, decides to try to take over um, New Capenna without his spark because he has nowhere else to go. Like, we, we, we can see, like, the rise of new warlords on these planes because these planeswalkers who have experienced so much, like, they maybe they know how to marshal alliances between planes that they've been to using Omen Paths and consolidate forces on unprepared planes. Who knows? Like, there's a lot of opportunity for really interesting storytelling because of the ability of Omen Paths to transport people from plane to plane who couldn't previously leave their plane. So maybe these planeswalkers who have built alliances on different planes can use that to consolidate power on one plane that they like. So we'll see. That's a really interesting way of thinking about it. Cause I, my first thought was like, I'm ready for small scale conflicts, you know, like it's, it's going to be really cool to go back to new Capenna and have Obnixilis be the villain and actually like, you know, be the one that we're interested in on New Capenna, because no offense to the streets of New Capenna story set, but like that was a story about Elspeth and Phyrexian history and angels and not really a story of the villain of Obnixilis. And so it's like we get to go back and have Obnixilis be the villain of a story. Um, and also on top of that, you talking about this made me realize that like we no longer have like an interplanar rescue squad, like the Gatewatch, as far as we know, is basically gone. Like we know Chandra has her spark and a Johnny has his spark, but like, I don't know if becoming a Phyrexian uh, terminates your oath early. Um, I don't know if he has to retake it, but like the point is, is like, there's not like a enough planeswalkers who could join together and like stop a threat somewhere so it's more likely it's going to be a smaller number who could respond. And at that point, 
we could see a story where the planeswalkers can't really help. And so we get like an old school, like story of a plane going through conflict where the answer is not call up the super squad. The answer is, Hey, the plane has to handle this problem uh, on their own or with like one really out of their water uh, planeswalker trying to help. So that's going to be cool. No more big villains, little villains, medium-sized villains, maybe. I mean, who's to say that some of these, like, small-time villains on these planes can't start consolidating forces and try to, like, do what Bolas did and try to build empires on different planes? Like, even if their armies can't move super fast, like, if they build enough support on one plane, they could just do, like, the Order of Heliod or something and start building... Uh, bastions of power along different planes because of the unified cause, and it like it doesn't have to be a good cause; it could be an evil cause. Who knows? Like, there's a lot of opportunity here. Oh, that just made me realize that we are okay. There is still one interplanar threat. Tezzeret is still out there. I don't yeah. want to make him feel bad by now not calling him an interplanar threat, <laughs> but there is still a Tezzeret. Don't know if he has a spark or not. Probably does, but good for good for him. He gets to be the big bad of the multiverse for a little while. I mean, or Oko could be like impersonating people in positions of power, or like there are a whole bunch of things. Like, could you imagine? Like, um, oh my gosh, oh, I'm blanking on the Demir Guild leader's name. Lazav. Could you imagine Lazav just like impersonating, like assassinating and impersonating a leader of some faction on on one plane after leaving Ravnica and just starting to take over all these different planes because he's impersonating all these leaders and just like becoming a real threat to people outside of Ravnica? Because on Ravnica, he kind of has checks and balances, but like outside of Ravnica, who knows? It's a wild, wild world we're out. We're in. You could say we're in the Wild West world of magic. The Wild huh. Wild Multiverse. Yeah, and that multiverse is slightly different uh, in a lot of ways. Um, but one of the ones is that, hey, if New Phyrexia is in the time hole where Jalfir was, where's Jalfir now? And it's uh, its its own plane with the five sons of uh, New Phyrexia overhead. And a whole bunch of displaced refugees from Mirrodin there. Uh, and it's available as a setting. And, um, you know, a, a lot of its uh, old African influences uh, are intact and carried forward. Um, Zafir is a uh, nation that had a lot of story importance during the Mirage block. Uh, and some various points during the Weatherlight Saga. Um, hasn't really existed much in Magic since, you know, what with the whole not being part of the timeline. Um, and so uh, we have this, like, African world now that kind of exists in the multiverse. Uh, you know, it's no longer part of Dominaria, uh, which is important. So, like, hey, that's... A medium-sized change. That's pretty significant. We have a new plane uh, with, you know, hey, Karavek escaped yeah. the Amber Prison. Yeah. He was uh, one of the big villains of the Mirage War and uh, preserved in uh, Amber. 
uh, magically and is now free. I'm sure that's fine. Yeah, we don't even know how he got freed. He could have been freed by somebody else or it's like a lot of stuff. Mm-hmm. Sounds like a plot hook. And and now there's there's paths off plane. So we don't even know if Karavek is still on Jalfir. So who knows? I I really love this. The the more I've thought about this change and the fact that like we have Jalfir as like its own setting separate mm-hmm. from Dominaria, the more I like it. Um, because of the fact that like Dominaria has progressed over the years and like has developed different like its own different aesthetic, its own different stories and people. And then I think it would have been really kind of a disservice to Jalfir to throw it back on Dominaria and be like, all right, now you're still Jalfir, but you're on Dominaria. And every story we tell about Jalfir will also have to be about Dominaria. Um, but now it's like, hey, we have Jafir on its own. It's its own plane. It's its own story. Um, it already had a pretty rich history and like had a lot of really interesting like history and lore to this one little section of Dominaria. And so now we still get that. That's not gone. It's still part of the plane and we get to explore it in more depth. So I think that's really, really good. And I'm excited to see our first trip to Jalfir as its own standalone setting. I'm excited to see what that's going to look like and what stories are going to get told because we have Caravac out of the Amber prison, but we also have a bunch of like, well, a bunch, we have a handful of Mirans who are still alive, um, who made it to Jalfir, who are having to like acclimate to a new setting. Um, we mm-hmm. have some planeswalkers who live there now forever, like good on Karn. I'm happy for him. I think this is a great place for Karn to retire. Um, to Ferry, of course, also a great place for him to retire, you know, going back home. So, yeah, I'm I'm excited to see a story there and what that looks like and what kind of stories they want to tell with Jalfir uh, that lets us have this sort of like Pan-African influenced plane uh, that stands on its own. And our third medium change is that there is a great greater understanding of the fact that the multiverse exists, uh, you know, among general populations, uh, prior to this event, uh, a few planes understood that there was a multiverse, uh, Dominarians, because Dominaria was such a hot spot for planeswalkers over the years, uh, Zendikar, although another common place, uh, visited by planeswalkers, was aware of, uh, what they called planar walkers, um, and I believe Ravnica has had ideas about it um, that got confirmed during War of the Spark. Uh, and some philosophers on Theros uh, hypothesized about the existence of other worlds. Uh, and, and so, uh, it, you know, some people like those on Kaldheim might be more ready to accept that this vast multiverse exists, whereas folks anywhere else might be like hold on this is like mind-blowing earth-shattering we have to like reevaluate our entire conception of existence because holy hecko uh and and that's a big thing mentally uh for a lot of folks and so how much will that influence things can't say um but it's a it's a fact now 
Uh, there's also Phyrexian tech scattered around the multiverse. We've seen a lot of cards with uh, people scavenging it for armor and weapons, which is neat. Um, so the the idea of, hey, this is an event that has happened and has changed things uh, and, and changes the world's conceptions of their own place and existence, which is... Uh, a more nuanced shift, but uh, I think is uh, pretty pretty critical for uh, at least specific characters or potential arcs. Yeah, we um, I mean, like I think that had had there not been the leftover omen paths, and had there not been the great pruning of Planeswalker Sparks, I'm intentionally calling it the great pruning just to upset people, um, because it's such a silly word. Had that had those not happened. Um, had people not died, had characters not died, I still think this is such a massive change to the multiverse that it would warrant its own saying of big changes have happened in the multiverse. Um, I do think it's a medium level change in the sense of like compared to the other big things, it's not really that big in comparison. Um, like, there's changes to the whole multiverse, but then there's changes to the people who live there. And this is a pretty big change to the people of the multiverse. Uh, mm -hmm. I'm excited to see what happens on these planes where like, I mean, we're about to go to Eldraine. The people on Eldraine had no concept of a multiverse. As far as we're aware, the people there, that was never something they would have fathomed. They had their own understanding of how the world worked. There was no thought of other worlds, of other kinds of worlds even. Uh, and so to have like an Eldraine squire with his long sword and his armor on his horse uh, face to face with a laser biomechanical monster, like that's going to pretty radically shape how you see the world and how you understand things. I mean, like. Yes, any advanced technology is, you know, indiscernible from magic at a certain point, but like they left their technology behind in a lot of ways. So like someone on Aldrain can pick up a piece of Phyrexian tech or armor or whatever and be like, I didn't know metal could do this. I didn't know metal could look like this. I didn't know this was metal. Uh, and that's going to shape how a lot of them live and work and how they understand uh, their role in things. Um, and then, of course, with the omen paths and things like that, it creates sort of an even bigger consideration of like what happens when a world is aware of other worlds? You know, what what happens when uh, someone on, I don't know, Theros finds out that like, hey, you really love the ocean? Well, there's a plane out there that is just oceans. Or you really love, you know, the concept of being a soldier, there's planes out there where that's basically all there is. You know, it's it's just going to be interesting to like see how that affects the common people of various planes. Or you could have different planes interpret this thing entirely wrong. Like when Tyvar Kell was first introduced, he thought that, uh, was it um, Alara or whichever plane that he first planeswalked to, he thought it was just another sphere of Kaldheim that he'd never been to before. Uh, Zendikar. Yeah, Zendikar. Yeah. So of all like, the places. Yeah, so it's just like they they go from having this very limited scope of what they know to having this 
mind-altering, just like, wow, there are more places than what we know. And it's, again, this could get, have a whole new rise to a whole new set of villains and storytellings and heroes to arrive, just like from all the trials and tribulations and having this access of knowledge and uh, accessibility to all these people, like, it could just do it there are a whole bunch of plot hooks that could be introduced just by this by these random omen paths just appearing and being stationary for a little bit of time also it's going to be interesting how planes react to planeswalkers as like a concept because like we saw nahiri's reaction to the idea of like a planeswalker uh, having mm. bid one and knowing that they cause a lot of problems well like i feel like on ravnica now that the understanding of other worlds is like undoubtedly true like you could probably deny it after the nickel bolus situation you'd be like i don't know that guy was just weird but like now you can't there's no way to deny other worlds exist you saw them through the holes in the sky uh i think at that point it's like do the ravnikans like the guild the gateless on ravnica just go like hey we don't want planeswalkers anymore i think we should have a ban faraz was right faraz was right uh, but yeah, I think there's there's a lot of interesting story hooks that can be taken from just the fact that like the multiverse is no longer a secret. You know, it, it is a it's a real thing. Yeah, and then we have uh, some small changes, which I I don't think we need to go speculationy on uh, on all of these. Uh, but I appreciate whoever wrote Gruel Friends with the uh, no lesbiab. Uh, yep, that exists. Uh, <laughs> um, and we've seen a bunch of planes that already have, um, some smaller degrees of changes, but, uh, a lot of planes just went through a major catastrophe, uh, and that is going to change things on specific worlds in specific ways. So, uh, we're looking at Eldraine next, and... We know a few small specific things. Uh, they have lost their high king and queen, uh, and Rowan and Will have different ideas about how to keep things running on Eldraine. Uh, we also know the sleeping spell that was cast against the Phyrexians is still lingering. Yeah. That's all I can say about that, because <laughs> we're heading into that set soon. Uh, so, you know, we, we are picking up with the consequences, you know, Eldraine specific consequences of the war. Um, but we've also seen, uh, a lot of destruction in Orozca on Ixalan. Uh, you know, one of the Elder Dinosaurs is just straight up dead. What does that mean when such a primordial being is actually killed? Um, uh... You know, speaking of primordial beings being killed, uh, tons of gods are dead on Theros. We don't know exactly how many or uh, which ones. We know uh, probably the five main ones. Uh, we know for sure Heliod uh, and uh, I believe Erebos. Uh, and it's implied that Thassa, Perforos, and Nylea uh, are also uh, fire-cleanized and killed. And... Uh, you know, in a world where belief becomes reality, what happens after this cataclysm? You're not going to read my pun 
Pantheon, more like Pantheon. <laughs> uh. <laughs> yeah, that's why I didn't read it. Uh, <laughs> uh, you know, we also learned that there are some people there worshipping Elspeth. Deification. And I'm, I'm sure that'll be fine. Um, you know, Kamigawa is shaken. Uh, Boseju, the gigantic spirit tree growing in the middle of Tawashi, is dead. I will read this one. You said rest in Pete, which is cute. Um, they're not in a bog, though. It's in the middle of a city. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, we know a lot of the merge gates are damaged uh, in such a ways that a lot of demons and Oni have been sneaking through. Uh, and um, in New Capanna, they're rebuilding because the entirety of Park Heights got like torn down in this war and so uh and the maestros are like gone but Traxa needed a new hat <laughs> uh and uh things bad kind of actually um so i guess uh i guess we can focus on eldraine because we know the most about what's happening there uh and it's our next stop so if you two want to talk a little bit about Eldraine thoughts to wrap up the episode. That would be cool. Yeah, I think. I think I, I'm interested to see what happened to the leader of all those courts. Like we know, um, Ayara. Well, I assume Ayara is dead, but who knows? Maybe <laughs> after the oil was rendered inert, like maybe she kept some. She regained some of her faculties, or she was cured by someone. I don't know. Like, there's a lot of things going on there, and then you have the the power vacuum that is the Kinrith death. I'm sure the, the 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 twins will step up, and maybe they'll have their own quests to go on with. Uh, like, maybe they'll they'll undergo that whole thing with the questing beast and whatnot, or maybe um, there will be some more challenges to their power. We know that there's some kind of uh, witch or something that's supposed to be showing up. Um, so I'm interested to see what happens with that. Um, just power vacuums are always interesting to see how the writers, uh, decide to present challenges to our heroes and twins and, uh, you know, it, it should be really interesting with all of, like, it, the multiversal war aspect of this is just really hard to put a finger on just because we didn't see a lot of finer details with some of these other planes like even with the planes that we got extended periods of time on we still don't there's no real breadth to how deep all of this went um because we maybe got a story or two on these planes um so like who knows how just how devastated some of these populations are and what some of these people will do to gain power in the with the lack of others uh yeah i so you mentioned like the power vacuums and stuff and i think for eldraine it's especially interesting because of the way that society had been structured on the plane um we know from what we've seen that this is going to heavily involve the wilds, hence wilds of Eldraine. Uh, before the invasion, the Eldraine that was, you know, stable and static for a long time had these human kingdoms, these uh, and dwarf and giant as well. 
but they were notably separate from the wilds. The wilds were this other space. It was this sort of uh, considered uncivilized, uninhabited in a lot of ways, um, sort of like othered area of the plane, uh, both physically and societally. It was like the wilds were not a place to go. Uh, but now that, you know, everything's kind of crumbled down, we get to see what that's going to mean for the fabric of the plane. Like, what happens when the human and dwarf and giant uh, and I guess elf, because IR was an elf, but, the you know, human kingdoms, um, these like bastions of, of what was a society uh, considered a society on Eldraine has fallen apart. What happens with these other people like if Will is leading the survivors of the courts of Eldraine into some sort of future where he is like, we must preserve, you know, this what we had before and recreate that. Uh, and Rowan is out there in the wilds going like, I met a new witch and she's my friend. Um, what's going to happen? Like, how is this going to be resolved? And are we going to see an Eldraine that's like stubbornly clinging to what was before the invasion? Or are we going to see an Eldraine come out of it that's uh, more interested in uniting and like becoming one unified plane of the wilds and the courts? So I don't know. I'm excited to see how that goes, specifically with Eldraine. And I think there's other interesting stories on other planes, too, that are going to also kind of push those boundaries and go, what happens when the status quo is forcibly toppled? And how do you how do you recover from that? Do you just try and recreate what was there before or do you try to create something new? Um, we're definitely going to get that with Ixalan because there is no Sun Empire. And as far as we know, the Dusk Legion probably didn't do too well either over on uh, Torazon. So like what's left? We're going to find out. And I think that's the more interesting part of this is not necessarily like who's going to be the villain and what sort of interplanar threat might arise. But like, how do you recover after something so big like this? Um, and then there's going to be other planes where it like hardly matters. I think Dominaria and Ravnica are both just going to be fine. <laughs> you know, like they've been through this recently. So they, they, they didn't really have a status quo to you know recover from, or they had one that was so old. It's unchanging. So, yeah. Is that all our Eldraine thoughts? I don't really want to speculate too much because the story is going to come That's out fair. relatively soon. And I I don't know. I don't know. You know, we're going to find out. Read and find out. When does... Previews start August 15th. So hopefully story is early August. Hmm. We're going to find out. That's still two months away. Uh, <laughs> almost. Almost two. Yeah. Well, we have a, a lot of content to fill between <laughs> now and then. We uh, sure but do. I guess, I guess we are going to wind down this episode. This is kind of the, uh, the, the, where, the where do we go from here uh, episode. And um, yeah, it's messy is where we go from here. Um, a lot of, a lot of questions about stability in the multiverse and, uh, 
two months isn't that long. We'll be there before you know it. Um, but for now, I think we're going to wrap this up and head into final thoughts. My final thought is that I finally saw Spider-Verse. Mm. It was good. Yeah. It's great. There's women in that film. <laughs> there sure are. Some of them are buff. <laughs> uh, it's good. Uh, I... I knew so I knew they were doing the second and third films and I and I I wish this was one this one wasn't so cliffhangery. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But uh I believe I believe the next one is supposed to be next year. Yeah. Yeah. Um so like you know not it's not like we're going to be waiting a bunch of years for the sequel but uh real real good uh balanced narrative threads really well i think i think it did a good job of giving ample breathing room between all its little juggling movements you could you could say it built a really good narrative web or spun spun a really good really good narrative web (laughs) no i actually wouldn't say that (laughs) um i liked it Gwen Stacy is trans. I don't know how folks are arguing against this. The film really is just like, hey, by the way, did you know that she's transgender? Hey, by the way, did you know that she's transgender? Hey, by the way, did you know she's transgender? Just like, (laughs) they don't do the things that they did in this film (laughs) without it it, it implying, like, it's just really obvious. It's like, even, even if they're not saying it outright, and even if they never address that, like, there's no way you watch that film and walk out thinking, I believe that was a nice young cisgender woman. Like, I mean, they 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 no they literally put a transgender flag patch on her dad's jacket, a protect trans kids poster in her room and her entire big speech moment, like her her big narrative climax moment. She is literally bathed in the transgender flag colors yeah it's like it's not subtle it's really (laughs) obvious people um anyway film's good film's real good um shout out to jason schwartzman uh who i I believe was joining the cast he's the he's the spot right uh i believe so yes anyway good uh good movie that's my final thought brian final thought my final thought is I'm over 100 hours into uh, Tears of the Kingdom and I've only just defeated uh, Queen Gibdo as my second uh, temple. And that uh, was very disappointing of a fight compared to Calgara, but uh, still loving the game. It's great. Yeah, they point you to Colgara first. That fight fucking rules. Yeah, that, that fight was amazing. And like I've done it. <laughs> I, you can find that boss elsewhere in the game after you've defeated it in the air temple and um it was much more difficult that way especially if you haven't done certain things around it um so yeah it's uh i'm i'm over 130 hours in and uh on uh monday night i encountered something that blew my mind and i and i'm like so far into the game and it's it's good. Games are good, actually. Uh, Chris, final thought. 
Well, I'm very impressed with your hundred hours in uh, in Tears of the Kingdom. I've put over two hundred in Dragon Age, as we discussed last week. I have not played Dragon Age since last week. I am off my Dragon Age. Uh, Proud kick. of you. Um, I I think I'm satisfied with what I've played so far. Uh, I've got other things to explore in that vein. Uh, funny enough, thematic for the week. I did start playing Bioshock, um, a story about being trapped underwater. Uh, it's uh, it's fine. I think the story is interesting so far. I'm only like a little bit into uh, the first game. Um, I've learned that UI changes and like the way that games handle uh, like heads up displays and stuff has changed a lot in the past, like almost 20 years or whatever uh, for the better. Um, because this is definitely feeling like an old first person shooter game. Uh, there is. It is. Um, and it's fun and I'm enjoying it. I can only really play it in little bursts though, because I, uh, I just find it, it's very dark and it's kind of hard to see and it's kind of hard to navigate things. Um, but I'm I'm enjoying it. It's fine. That's my current video game uh, for when I'm going to bed. Uh, otherwise, I'm playing so much Teamfight Tactics. TFT is so good. But uh, yeah, and I'm I'm I finished Fellowship of the Ring, and I'm on the Two Towers now. So we are we are moving along in my reread of Lord of the Rings as well. Nice. And that is all of my life updates that anyone needs to know about. Um. If folks out there would like more cast member life updates or life updates from uh, other fun folks in the Vorthos community, uh, we have a server where that happens, a Discord server. Uh, if you head over to patreon.com slash the Vorthos cast, everyone who supports us gets access to that Discord community. We are uh, kind of exiting uh, Lord of the Rings hype mode, and uh, which means... I don't know if the the Doctor Who Commander decks or Commander Masters is next, but it's one of those two, and those two are up before Eldrain. And uh, so, if you wanna you wanna get involved in uh, a nice community of folks just like you uh, before those preview seasons start up, um, Patreon is the place to do that. Uh, we love our listeners. We love our patrons. Uh, co-hosts um so so on um but <laughs> uh we'd like to thank everyone out there for listening this has been the vorthos cast